Welcome to Flock Out, the official podcast of Beyond the Flock Media, where company owner Chris Dolan and media professional Christina Yanata engage in dialogues about the creative process, their love of films, and making your entrepreneurial ambitions a reality. Often we are joined by guests who consist of both clients of Beyond the Flock Media's services as well as collaborators who have worked with Chris or Christina. The conversation is free-flowing, starting with an exploration of the guests' history and inspirations, and then we flock out to who knows where. Today's guest is Edwin Rubio. Edwin is a film industry professional whose expertise in camera, lighting, and grip work has been instrumental in both independent and Hollywood-scale productions. Edwin is a member of the IATSE 481 and the Cinematographers Guild. He has worked on such big budget pictures as Knives Out, Grown Ups, and Ghostbusters. He has worked with Chris on two productions, including serving as DP for Beyond the Flock Media's first feature film, Bloom. We are humbled to welcome Edwin to the show. Hi, Edwin. How's, how are you doing today? How are you doing? Pretty good. So has this always been your dream job? Uh, did you always want to be a cinematographer, always working on films, or is this something that you just kind of stumbled upon one day? It was like, whoa, I didn't think I was going to be doing this for the rest of my life. So what's your story there? I think photography, not cinematography, started for me around uh, 17, maybe. I went to this photo shoot once, and I, I kind of got into the whole photographer with his umbrella, strobes, and lights, and camera. And I was like, oh, I think that's something I would like to do. So I signed up to like a photography course. This is back in Colombia, by the way, uh, when I used to live in Colombia. I went to high school and most of my education is there uh, since I was in third grade. I think my first thing, I, I shot the, uh, believe it or not, I shot the, uh, the school um, yearbook photography for all, all, all uh, well, in Columbus, 11th grade, so you graduated in 11th grade, I'm in 12th, like here. But I, I did the whole yearbook. I, I, did, oh, wow. I, I had this little camera, I had a stro- one strobe light. Uh, or maybe two, <laughs> no light oh, meter, <laughs> no light meter, and I, I, I still have the yearbook, I, I still have all the negatives. Oh my uh, gosh, that's a lot of uh, negatives. <laughs> yeah, I finished high school, and I came back here, because I was actually born here, uh, to fit, to go to, to, to do my, my um, to go to college, um, and I didn't even know what, what they were going for, honestly, I just started browsing, and I was looking into photography, I think searching for photography, I, I stumbled into cinematography um, uh, careers. And, and I was like, oh, was, maybe that's really what I want to do, not photography. You know, like I, I've always been, I, I guess, I don't know if this happens to me, but when I was a kid watching all these movies, but you, I guess you never think that you can do it. And I think... As, as you grow older, you're like, wait a second. It's like, why not do this? I found the RNC204 Lauderdale in Florida, signed up, and then just went there. That's it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I guess your question, no. I, I actually thought before I was 17, I was, uh, I was into a lot of electronics. Uh, I wanted to be an electronic engineer, and then I don't know how or at what point I just... <laughs> went the other way 
Um, what what turned you on to um, cinematography as opposed to photography? Was it just watching films? Um, and do you have did you have certain influences when you're watching these films? Were there certain filmmakers you were following? No, not really. I know uh, I've never been the, the the geeky type where like I know all the names of cinematographers or filmmakers. As a matter of fact, I'm horrible remembering. Any of, any of the names. Um, I have me memories of, of, of movies that I've liked uh, or, or movies that you say, wow, this is beautiful. Um, can't, and, and a lot of these movies were movies that I never even knew who the hell shot them until I became part of the industry. And then you start realizing like, oh, Jesus. Or, you know, like, like for example, I know this is one of your favorite cinematographers, Christopher Doyle. Uh, before I knew who Christopher Doyle was, uh, hero, uh, he, the movie visually is like freaking beautiful. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> and I remember that, liking that movie, and always remember that movie for years, and not even know who the hell shot it. So you become in, in the industry, you're you're more into, you start realizing like, oh crap, this he this guy also shot this and this and that, and then you become a fan. You start having a few people that you you start following a little bit. I have a big list of DPs I've worked with for yeah. long projects, which I'm pretty proud because you, yeah. I mean, it's like paying for, I don't know if you, um, when, when you go and you pay, the ASC, the American Cinematography Society, yeah. has this like a master class where you pay. I took like that. Three, <laughs> huh? You did one? Uh, yeah, I took it uh, not this past summer, but the summer before. I feel like I've been lucky that even though for the 10 years that I was a grip and not a camera operator, which is what I wanted to, um, it's like what you did there was you paid to go and see a DP, a big, like a, a big name DP, light some scenes for a week. And I got paid to work as a grip and see all these big DPs in light for three months straight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For, and not only did I do it for free, but I got paid to do that. Yeah. Is there any particular um, cinematographer or any type of style that you really lean more towards? Or are you more into like every type of lighting style, every type of shooting style? Um, what do you find yourself fancying more? I think I just adapt to whatever the story is and whatever the budget is um mm -hmm. honestly i don't think I'm, I'm up there where i have all the tools that i would want for a project um i think that as you get I'll put it this way cinematographer who's up there making big budget movies i think they have it way easier than a low budget cinematographer where uh, most of the projects I choose or, or I get to do is you get a small budget, you choose three lights and you have to light everything with the same three lights where uh, a bigger cinematographer has a 48 tra foot trailer for just grip and another 48 foot trailer for, for just lights, uh, another truck for just cameras and, and I'm not saying it's easy for them. I'm just saying they, ha they have a little bit more help. They have 30 people under disposal. They, 
even if they forgot a light, they most likely will still have it on the truck anyways. They just got to call for it and they'll bring it to him. Not to mention that they have um, rigging grips and rigging electrics that come in and pre-light before the day. See, it's, it's a little cheating, I think. Uh, I'm not saying that I wouldn't like to get to that level. It must be nice. Uh, but I think it's a little bit harder for the low-budget cinematographers because you have to really choose your tools, the, little, the, the budget you have, and try to use the same lights for every single lighting scenario. And it's not always easy. Every scene is different. Every scene has a different mood. You've, you've talked a little bit about the, um, the path of the cinematographer with me, and it's, you know, there's many different ways to get there. Um, can you talk a little bit about your path? You know, IATSE, the Cinematographers Guild, where, how, how that's been going, and if you can allude to if there's another way to do it. <laughs> is there another way? I, I, honestly, I don't even know how it happened. I think, um, I guess I can do a little recap of how everything went through since I was in school yeah. in Fort Lauderdale. Um, when I was in Fort Lauderdale, I guess I needed, I, I was looking for a job. I lost my job and um, somebody posted this, um, oh, Craigslist. Back then when Craigslist was used quite a bit, <laughs> uh, they needed somebody to assist a big DP coming into town to do, to do a camera test. Um, and I just responded to the email and to, to the Craigslist ad, and, and, it, and they called me, and they said, yeah, come in. So I go, they gave me the address. It turns out it's the um, Airy CSC, which is like a rental house in Florida. Um, and I go in, and they're doing like a camera test for – doing film tests to see how the greens look on film, the specific stock of films they had. Um, for We Are Marshall, it's like football – uh, movie that came oh, yeah. out and, yep. uh, and, and basically what I had to do was carry the cases and I had to wear like 10 different green 10 different types of green jerseys and, and I had to run with it I don't know if it was necessary but I went running with it like crazy and then by the end of the day the the, the manager from RCUC was there and he's like hey kid you have a job he's like no he's like you want one I'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, well, you start, you start on Monday. You're like, all right, cool. So, yeah, so that's basically my first, like, film industry job in a way where I was working in a rental house, um, filling orders for lighting, um, loading grip trucks, electric trucks with, with film gear, and start learning all the equipment and what kind of lights and all this other stuff. And then eventually I came um, – I can't remember. I think I went broke. I was like 19 or 20 and I had to go back up here to my parents to help me out a little bit again. Um, and so I came here within a couple of months. I found another job at another rental house here in, in, in Massachusetts in Canton. And uh, I worked there for a year and you start meeting the same people who come in to rent gear. Uh, you, you're, you're basically handing over the gear and you start meeting them and knowing who they are. And I start hearing that they needed guys to work on a feature. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can come in. You have to join our union. This is IATSE 41. It's like, yeah, where do I sign? And then they got me in. They, 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 they wrote a referral letter. Um, I needed two sponsors back then. And you join and, and that's it. And then you're in. And then you start getting calls to, to rig stuff and to grip here, day playing here, a day here, a day here. Uh, not much at first, but um, after a while, you just, your game just starts coming up 
more and more, and then you start doing full movies, and, and that's it. Um, after, like, but here's the funny thing. I've always wanted to be in the camera department. I always thought that being in the grip department was, like, my my would be my, my in to be in the camera department, but I was a grip for how long? Probably like 10 years before I, I really did something to, to be cut, to go into the camera department. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was really hard because once you're labeled as something in the industry, it's really hard to, mm -hmm. to get out of that. So they will always know you as a grip joining, uh, the cinematographer guild is probably is really hard. So either mm -hmm. by, I can't remember all the specifics, but I know one of them is either if you're working on a budget on, on a project that um, you start your part of the crew and it turns, it flips to union, uh, meaning um, the union heard that you got the, the budget of the movie is bigger and it fits within the criteria to become a union job, they come in and, and, and basically offer everybody in the crew to join the union and then you're in. And for mm. the most part, everybody will agree because now you're in a way you're in a big league and you're getting paid more, you get all these benefits that come with it and all that stuff. So that's right. one way. The other way is I think you have to show I think it's like a hundred days of non-union work and you have to prove it that you work as a camera operator for a hundred days uh, on a non-union show. Uh, and you have to prove it by pay stubs mm. or, or call sheets or all this other stuff, which is really hard as well. So the way I joined, I, uh, I found a little bit of a, a loophole. I wouldn't say a loophole, but it was just that uh, behind the scenes, which I still do a lot, um, behind the scenes work as a camera operator. There was not that many people who do behind the scenes on the projects that are shot here in New England. Um, and I decided to call 600, which is the um, uh, International Cinematographer Guild and say like, look, there's a lot of work here. And there's not many people doing behind the scenes here. I was wondering if I can get uh, a waiver to start shooting behind the scenes. And they gave me like a permission to shoot a few and uh, all I needed was like 30 days to be, uh, of, uh, of waivers to become union, to be, be part of the, of the guild. And I think within three months, I had enough days to, to join 600. And, and that's basically it. That was my way in. So I got a little bit lucky. I just found that there were lacking of, of EPKs, what they call behind the scenes camera operator locally. And I, and I took the chance and I became 600. And that from there on, once you're 600, then you you can move within departments however you want. Mm. Uh, and, and then mm. I start taking the chances and putting my name out there for additional camera operators. Like the movie would be in town and they needed an additional camera operator for one day. And uh, and that's it. And, and, and then, the other, then the next project came in and I would only have one day of work. So sometimes I would only be a camera operator for for five days of the whole year, but then that would be enough to put in my resume and to get the next one and the next one and the next one. That's basically it. Mm. Nice. It's not, it, it's, there's no really way or, or path to, to, to get to where it is. 
there, there's so many other ways to get there. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the way I went through it was as in the grip, was going through the grip route, which not many people do. Most people go the camera route, becoming a, an assistant camera or a utility for the camera department, and they work their way through the camera department. I think it was, that was highly influential on the reason why I, I hired you for my first project, because um, if we go back to, was it Moving Stone almost 10 years ago? <laughs> I was looking at a couple of filmmakers um, and, you know, a lot of them had rails and you didn't. But, you know, what was interesting was, I, I mean, a lot of these people that were, I was looking at all had shot things and it was cool to see it. But I was really looking at your, um, you know, kind of your resume, <laughs> of work and seeing that you worked in like, you know, the union doing grip stuff and, you know, lighting. I, I don't know if you were a best boy back then too. But, yeah, uh, probably. I, I best boy a lot. I mean, that, Out of those 10 years, I was a best boy for many of them. Yeah. I, I think that really communicated to me that, you know, you had expertise across the board, grip, electric, um, you know, really dealing with the equipment, um, you know, on set. And what I was looking to do was shoot in a bowling alley, you know, with a bunch of lights and um, I, I think that I needed somebody who could handle, um, you know, that level of expertise and not some kid out of college with a DSLR. You know, I think that was, you know, <laughs> kind of the consensus in mind. But yes, I, I it was a Craigslist ad. You responded to it. And we met in, uh, I think it was the Providence Mall <laughs> in like a food court. <laughs> really? And, um, I, can't, I can't remember that. <laughs> I, 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 I can remember because it was like, this is kind of shady. I'm meeting somebody on Craigslist, you know, <laughs> in the food oh, court. Oh, God. But I met you, I had a book and I started showing you like um, shots from different films and stuff, you know, the look I was going for and things like that and explained to you kind of the scale of the production we were looking to do. Movie Stone was a challenging show in a way that it was not many crew and we, we had a bunch of gear, believe it yeah. or not. Remember those big 5K lights with generators? Yeah. Um, I guess we could have shot those same scenes with less light, but the, here's the thing that I've never liked. Uh, I hate, I guess I would say I like the old style movies, the eighties and nineties where mm-hmm. you can actually see the lights. I feel like more of the newer movies nowadays is everything's available lighting. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just feels like it's dark mm-hmm. all the time and not a lot of fill. I think I'm a little bit more old school. Yeah, we, we um, definitely went probably, high key on that film. And I, I really like the way it looks. I mean, it looks really cinematic. I, I really like it. Yeah. I really do. He, yeah. And again, I think it comes back to, to the fact that you can, again, nowadays everything's shot available lighting. Uh, I don't know if it's because, obviously because the cameras are more sensitive to lights now compared to what it was before. So that helps a lot too. But um. And, and if and if the if the project needs it to be like that, then fine, whatever you know. Like every, it is what the director wants or what the mood they're trying to go for. And I remember at one point, I, I think I re- I'm pretty rem- I remember the scene really well. In the alley, we had to on a dolly, and we were dollying to the right into the into the lanes, mm-hmm. and I'm pushing the dolly. Focusing at the same time and operating, like I don't even remember how or how, like it was so crazy. Oh man! <laughs> I, I, I think it was out of focus for the for most of it because we didn't have anybody who could. We were yeah. so small, we didn't have anybody 
the first day the first day you had somebody but i remember as the production went on um yeah we did lose some people and then some people started falling asleep in the alley um sure yeah they were overnight shoots but yeah i i really learned how innovative you were too edwin i mean you talked about you know you looking into engineering when you were younger i mean you you built this thing on the side of the dolly to be able to track with the ball you mean on the fly or whatever i don't I don't know if you remember, we had to, we had to track a ball for 30 feet and you like, I don't know, screwed these, this wood thing together that held the camera and put it next to the ball and we could swing the camera for 30 feet, you know. That's the type of thing you learn as a grip though. Yeah. That, that's definitely, that's definitely my, my grip side. Yeah. I, I, and I feel like that's a little bit of a, I know going to become a camera operator, cinematographer, the grip way is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it helps me in other ways uh, where you see things a little bit different. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the first project that you and Chris worked on. Um, now let's uh, shift gears and talk about Bloom, where there wasn't really um, a script for a good portion of the beginning of working on that project. What was working on that project like um, when Chris approached you about it were, did you have doubts about how you were going to go about doing it or were you all for it? Um, what was that process like creating um, that with Chris? It was just so different because when he first showed me the, the project, the first script, I liked, even, I, I liked quite a bit, so that's why I got on board. But as as we went got closer to the shooting day, it changed quite a bit to the point I think I told him it was like, look, I th in my opinion, in my opinion, you're going a little bit too slow. The story is slowing down quite a bit, and I've and I've told him quite a bit of times. Like I, I, he knows that I'm I, I I tell him what I what what I see. Uh, I don't know if it's it's not always what he likes to hear or not, yeah. but um. I'll tell him, like, look, I, I'm telling you, I think this is, the first act is way too slow. So so as as the project got closer to to the shoot day, um, it was completely different than what I signed up to. <laughs> uh, but then again, but, but then whatever, you know, you, you took the project and that's what's great about working on film industry. You sort of, uh, um, it doesn't always go the way you want it to be. You kind of, uh, you, you you modify, you, 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 it makes, you make it a challenge for yourself and, and try to work with it, uh, whether you like it or not. Because, uh, you know, sometimes I've read scripts that I've worked on where it's like, this is horrible. This is never going to work. And then you, you watch the movie and they win awards and have been nominated for Oscars. And this is on my grip side because I get to read the scripts before I work on them. Mm. And you're like, well, this movie is horrible. Like, can they shoot this? And then, and then they come out great. And, and that's how I feel sometimes too when I take projects. Like I don't always have to love them at first, but I, but I work through it and, and try to make the best of it. And and then and then good stuff happens usually. Mm -hmm. So, um, did you storyboard with Chris, or did you create storyboards and then have to start over again, or? Um, do anything like that or were there any days on set where no Chris is really good at that um, I guess everybody's who I work with is different 
Mm-hmm. Chris already has something in mind. He's the one that does the story, the storyboarding, um, mm. uh, which I, I don't know if I like or not like. It's really <laughs> it's hard to decide because, in a way, it's kind of cool because the whole idea as a cinematographer is to to give the director what he's looking for, and if if the director already is giving you everything in a plate, like I'm not going to decline it. It's like, oh yeah. Course. Yeah, <laughs> like you're gonna make my life a little bit easier. Sure. <laughs> you're gonna do the job for me. Like, what am I gonna say? No. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that, but again, that's the whole point. Like, you're you're trying. He, it's his vision to begin with. Um, yes, he can he can tell me colors and stuff like that, and I can prepare for it. Uh, that that's basically my job, I guess, is to translate his vision in, in, into into the into the format and knowing what kind of lights and how to, to shape the lights to make it look that way. Um, uh, and then you get, and then you suggest some stuff, you know, like you can absolutely, dis- uh, when you're on, on the day, you suggest different shots or different movements, uh, whether because it would look better for the film or because it would move faster because we're, we're behind on that day or, or many reasons, a lot of things change on the day. Um, but, but yeah, storyboarding-wise, Chris does most of it. But, but then again, I have worked in other projects where I do a little bit more myself, where I go and uh, they, they give me the script, and then uh, I go and look at some um, other... Basically, what I do is what a lot of people do is they go to magazines or they go to do some other footage of other people's projects and try to see what they like and then put them into a book and then director and see like look this is what I'm envisioning for this scene do you like it yes or no and, and then you, then you start that process back and forth until you commit to a look and a color scheme and and, and everything else falls into place were there any um, were there any other specific like stories or highlights from that film that you remember like any special days or any days in particular that you remember that were either challenging to shoot or days that went really well that you didn't expect that they would or anything like that while shooting bloom i i i liked a lot the scene where anita and um victor were in 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 their apartment with Mm -hmm. the blue and and, and yellow Mm. um uh color scheme yep i like that scene quite a bit I think I actually uh, showed you like a magazine photo for that. It was something, it was some Photoshop photo. <laughs> I, I think that, it was, I, I liked that one quite a bit. I, um, I just think that it was, a, I can't remember. I think I had to leave early mm-hmm. at the end of that day, was it? Yeah. So, um, so we have to push a little bit faster than I think I would have mm-hmm. wanted to. As, as, as a photographer, you learn stuff too. Yeah. Um, one being, I think we had the wrong camera for for the project. We had way too many dark scenes. Yeah. And the camera we were using uh, didn't have um, the information we needed for color grading after. I, I really liked the, the shower scene with Anita. I don't know if you remember it. Um, we there was kind of a miracle that happened there um 
we had a we had a fogger or what do you call it a steamer you know like you steam shirts with and i was using that to represent you know shower fog and um <laughs> we were shooting and anita's doing this very you know dramatic subtle performance and as she's ending it the fog comes up in front of her and buries her face in this like mist and we, we didn't plan for that um that was just like uh what do you call it uh synchronicity it just happened <laughs> <You know? laughs> and me and edwin looked at each other like what a natural fade out yeah because because it it, it 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 held yeah the steam held nice and light for the whole scene and it only got really intense when she finished and then and it just <laughs> the picture went away and it was like that's perfect it's like like how yeah <laughs> we're done with this one no, yeah, no, no that's what i said i was like done. that that's going in and it, it is in the film now so <laughs> <laughs> how has covid impacted work for you and what horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah horrible so like I said, I, I, I've been in the transition from going from the grip lighting world into the camera operator uh, cinematography full time. And, and uh, yeah, I, th I thought I had made it. And then all of a sudden COVID comes in and it, all work goes away completely. When COVID started, like, you know, the entertainment, Broadway, all these, all these uh, industries got completely shut down. And it happened for the film industry as well. So a few of them are the ones that I was working on got completely canceled because of it. Basically, I've been trying to get onto the next project. The thing is not all productions are hesitant to start because they put in a lot of money into it. And if only one person gets COVID, they have to shut down the whole production. It costs a lot of money to to build sets and to bring crew from out of town and um, hire all these people to come in. And all of a sudden within three weeks in, one person gets sick and then the whole company has to shut down for a couple of weeks. It costs money to have a studio sitting down, sitting doing nothing. Um, are you, um, I mean, outside of obviously like the union jobs and everything, I know you do a lot of independent films where you actually get to DP, be the cinematographer. Do you have projects yeah. going on right now or are you looking to pick yeah, up? Yeah, I do some. Right now, I have nothing, but nothing, I do, I, I don't always only do uh, union jobs. There's some yeah. jobs that are just either they, their, their budget don't fit the criteria for a union job because okay. they're so low budget. Or, or I do some other commercial stuff that just like some of the product not some of the productions are not union or mm -hmm. so it is what it is. I you know you have to make money. I would rather be union stuff always, but it's not always the case. Um, but I enjoy them. You know, there's no much difference. Uh, you're basically what you're losing is on your benefits. Your 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 pension money, mm -hmm. your, your, your health insurance money. Uh, but for the most part, not always, for the most part, the rates are pretty similar. Okay. Um, you just learn, you, you're losing on your benefits and you're losing on, on being represented by, uh, legally if something were to happen on set or if they're trying to take advantage of you in some other way or they're trying for you to work long hours. Like I've crashed my car before yeah. because 
totally because I fell asleep after long hours of work. Uh, and that's the type of thing that being in a union helps um, where if you're in a non-union, there's no regulations or they can just do whatever they want. Is that there's nobody. Do you feel like that's changing now? The, the, the kind of treat, um, you know, the overload with work on, you know, technicians, like they're, they're not working them like 16 to 20 hour days anymore. Or do you feel like nothing's changed? <laughs> Here's, I wish I could say yes, but not no. I mean, okay. it's the same. I mean, some it depends, I guess. Some producers are really cool and they're really looking after the, 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 the worker's safety. Yeah. But there's still some cowboys out there that just just want to get the job done and they just don't care or... I don't want to lose you, Edwin. <laughs> huh? I don't want to lose you. <laughs> Well, yeah, it almost happened, and, and yeah. it still can happen. The thing yeah. is, I've worked on movies where uh, everybody's all about safety. We're doing only 12-hour days, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is cool. You know, you, you're going to the project, and you're saying, like, oh, it's finally changing. Look at this production. They really, really, they really are looking after us, and they don't want us to do long hours. And, and then the next project comes in, and, and it's like the shortest day is a 16-hour day. Yeah. If I go through my union and I go into the website, you can start looking and see what projects are going to start. Uh, February, there's a, a bunch of projects um, starting. They're, they're building their production office right now, as we speak, and a few of them. So there's there's one that already started. There's one other one starting in February. Um, and there's like a few more lined up. So they're starting to to, to start to, to get the wheels going up again. So I think spring, maybe, I think, a lot of production will be going on again. Hopefully, I'll be back on, on, on work. Thank you for listening. For more information about Beyond the Flock Media, check out our website, beyondtheflockmedia.com. Or you can catch the latest news and updates on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. Until we meet again, don't forget to flock out.